Welcome. Thanks for tuning to Impact. Our mission is to love, learn, and serve. And now, here's the message. I love your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. True One of Aesop's fables tells the story of a goose, actually a couple geese that saved the day one day for a certain tortoise. You see, the tortoise was jealous of the geese because that tortoise lived by the pond where the geese would swim. And as the tortoise would walk by the shore of that pond, he would overhear the geese telling stories of how they'd soared over the countryside and saw the meadows from above. And they'd seen the snow-capped peaks of the mountains. And they had soared all over the country. And the tortoise was jealous. He wanted to travel, but his little legs would only take him so far. And so one day a couple of the geese heard the tortoise lamenting and they went up to him and said, we have an idea. We're going to help you fly. See that stick over there on the ground? Each of us with our beak is going to grab opposite ends of the stick. And we want you tortoise to go and bite the middle of the stick and hold on. And we will fly over the countryside and let you see everything that we see. But we must warn you. When we're soaring and flying over the countryside, whatever you do, do not start to talk. So they grab opposite ends of the stick and the tortoise grabs and they're soaring over the meadows and he's seeing the flowers from above and he sees the mountains, he sees the tops of homes and he is so excited. All of a sudden a crow flies by and the crow does a double take and says, you must be the king of all tortoises to be flown through the air by these geese. And the tortoise opens his mouth and says, Well, you better believe I... And as he began to talk, the tortoise plummeted to the earth below. The moral of the story of this fable of Aesop is this. While there are times when we need to speak out and take a stand, more frequently we find ourselves in trouble because we talk too much. Amen? Amen. So we need to open our Bibles this morning as we continue our message series that we're calling Faith That Works. We're in James chapter 1. We'll be starting in verse 19 today. If you have your Bible with you, fantastic. Thank you for bringing it today. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, please bring it with you next Sunday. And in the meantime, grab one of those blue Bibles from the rack in front of you. You'll find James 119 on page 1196 if you're using one of those blue Bibles. The rest of you turn to James chapter 1. We'll be starting in verse 19. I'm calling this message today, The Man in the Mirror. And you'll find out in a little bit how that title applies to this passage. So we're in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. Please say amen if you're there. Here we go. James 1, starting in verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. 
May God bless us as we study and most importantly apply his word to our lives today. Would you pray with me? Father, this is your day. Lord Jesus, this is your day. Holy Spirit, you are here in this room. This is your day. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me over these next few minutes. We want to rightly divide the word of truth. I pray that my words would not get in the way of your words. I pray that you would give us ears to hear. And as we're going to be taught in this passage, even more important than hearing the word, Lord, I pray that we would live it out for the glory of God. We want your blessing today. And we understand that you will not give it to us unless we apply what we learn. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to be a good one today. Listen up. Go ahead. James 1.19, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to, slow to, and slow to become. Let's see if we can get the three sections going here. You guys are the listeners. You guys are the speakers. You guys are the angriers, all right? Yeah, Roy's getting into it over there. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to, slow to. And slow to become, slow to become, quick to, quick to, listen, quick to, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become, angry. Now, how many of you are married? Let me ask you. How many of you are married? Raise your, you don't need to be ashamed. It was just Valentine's Day two days ago. Raise your hands nice and high. If you forgot Valentine's Day, especially raise them high. Oh, I'm so proud of my spouse. If you are married... James is telling you loud and clear, husbands and wives, take note of this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How many of you are living at home with mom and dad and siblings? Raise your hand. Everybody in the front row, I think. All right. If you're living at home with mom and dad and siblings, God's Word says to you, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How many of you have a workplace that you go to throughout the week? And you've got some employees or a boss that are hard to get along with. James says to you, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How many of you have a church that you go to? Why do I only see half the hands? James says to you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, take note of this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The Old Testament book of Proverbs has a lot to say about the wisdom of holding our tongues and controlling our tempers. In fact, the writer of Proverbs has a very special word for a person who has a short fuse and talks too much. He has a very special word for that kind of person. The writer of Proverbs calls that person a fool. Calls him a fool. One of my favorites is Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28. He says, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. I love how the message translates that 28th verse. The message says it this way. Even dunces who keep quiet are thought to be wise. As long as they keep their mouths shut, they're smart. Isn't that good? As long as they keep their mouths shut, they're smart. Now, how many of you, in all honesty, have damaged relationships because you've talked too much? You and me both. 
Just yesterday, as I was reviewing my message notes here, preparing for the sermon, reviewing it, getting ready for today, even yesterday I was thinking, man, in the last 48 hours, my mouth has gotten me into trouble. I was just talking to my wife, Christine, yesterday about this. You know what? As, as a pastor, I know I live by my mouth and I die by my mouth. A lot of great things come out of my mouth as I preach God's word, as I encourage people, as I pray with people. But I've got to tell you, some dumb stuff comes out of my mouth at times. Where I look back and say, why on earth did you open your big fat mouth, Dane? It happens, doesn't it? So often we need to just keep our mouths shut. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Jesus Christ calls us to be listening patiently. To be speaking patiently. To be reacting when things happen around us and people say stuff they shouldn't say around us. To react patiently. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There was a certain elderly gentleman who learned the value of being quick to listen. You see, he had been in the war and then he went and did a, uh, an industry warehouse job where he was surrounded by loud noises for many years. And so he lost his hearing at a pretty young age. And so by the time he was a senior, everyone who knew him was just used to this guy being hard of hearing. But he went to a doctor one day, and he had some extra money. He was fitted for the best state-of-the-art hearing aids. He bought the best hearing aids that money could buy. And all of a sudden, it was like a whole new world. He could hear everything. And so he goes home, and he's got these hearing aids. He comes back a month later to the doctor for his follow-up checkup appointment. And the doctor does a follow-up hearing test. And he said to the man, I just did the test. Your hearing is perfect. Your family must be thrilled that you can hear everything they say now. And the man said, I'll be honest with you, doctor. I haven't told them yet. I'm really enjoying just sitting back and listening to everything they're saying. In fact, I've changed my will three times. There's a man who learned the value of listening and keeping his mouth shut. Amen? Unless you are a hermit living 20 miles past nowhere, you need to memorize this verse. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to and slow to and slow to become. We all need to learn this because none of us live 20 miles past nowhere. Now, is it time to move on to verse 20? Not quite. Because we haven't yet asked one of the most important questions that we need to ask when we find a verse we really, really like. You see, when we find a verse we really, really like, we have to discipline ourselves to ask some questions regarding that verse. You see, anyone out there, even atheists, can cherry-pick verses and say, I like this verse, I'm going to share this, and take it completely out of context. And so remember, there's not a single verse in the Bible that magically parachuted out of heaven and accidentally landed in a certain book or chapter. It is always there for a reason. And so we ask the question, what does this verse mean in its context? Why was it put here in this first chapter of James? Well, what was James talking about in verses 2 through 12? We've talked about that over the last couple weeks. Look again. What's he talking about in verses 2 through 12? Look in verse... Two, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Remember, he's talking about trials in verses 2 through 12. As we get to verse 13, verses 13 through 15, what's he talking about? 
He's talking about temptation. So if you look at those first 18 verses, James is talking about dealing with temptations and dealing with trials. So what is the message of James 1.19? It's this in its context. When trials and temptations come our way, we should be quick to, slow to, and slow to become. One more time, when trials and temptations come our way, we should be quick to, slow to, and slow to become angry. That's the message in the context. And so you might say, well, that's a no-brainer. Easier said than done, though. When the trials and temptations come, James wants us to know, don't close your ears, don't shoot off your mouth, don't blow a fuse. It's really important. Remember what we learned last week from the early part of James chapter 1. When trials come, James says we need to ask God for what? It's okay to ask Him for strength. It's okay to ask Him for perseverance. But he says, ask Him for wisdom. We saw that last week. He says, ask God for wisdom. Give me insight. Remember the illustration I shared, the lady who was dealing with her husband on his deathbed, and she said, Pastor, thank you for praying for strength, but please pray one more thing. Pray that I won't waste all of this. Pray for wisdom so that I don't waste any of this. And what a wonderful prayer. So we want to pray for wisdom. But we have to at the same time realize where wisdom comes from. We pray for wisdom, and you understand, don't you, that God gives us His wisdom more time than any other from His Word, right? This is the source of wisdom. So when God gives you the wisdom that you ask Him for, when you're in your trial, when you're dealing with your temptation, He'll give you wisdom from His Word. But here's the kicker. He won't always give it to you from His Word in the same way. God can choose to deliver the wisdom from His Word in any number of ways. Sometimes it may be when you're having your personal quiet time and you're reading Scripture, just you and the Lord. You're just there with Him and you're reading Scripture and you're praying. And in that personal devotion time, God will answer that prayer and give you the wisdom you need to get you through that trial. Amen? But sometimes it won't be in your personal devotion time. Sometimes it might be in a sermon on a Sunday morning. It's one of the reasons it's important to be in the house of the Lord each week. Because the sermon, you come in to hear that, you don't even know this ahead of time, but it's the Word of God and His wisdom that's going to be given just to you in that sermon. Have, have you ever had an opportunity to experience the wonderful joy of being in a church service, and after the, the service you leave and you say, man, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Ever had that happen? Most of us have. How did that pastor know what I was going through? He probably didn't. But God spoke the word into that pastor's heart to deliver to the congregation. He knew, God did, that you were going to be in that congregation that day. So sometimes God will deliver the wisdom from his word in devotion. Sometimes he'll deliver it in a Sunday morning sermon. Sometimes he might deliver it to you in your impact group, small group Bible study. Sometimes he might, catch this, deliver his wisdom to you from a friend or a neighbor or a coworker, oftentimes someone that you don't like very much. And so it's one thing to system when it's delivered to you. Wisdom. It's another thing to listen to the wisdom when it's delivered to you. And so here's something I'd like you to jot down. During times of trial, it's important to ask God for wisdom. But after doing so, do you listen for wisdom? Do you interrupt wisdom? Do you lash out at wisdom? And does wisdom have to walk on eggshells around you? I know about you, but I find those questions just a little bit convicting. 
Sometimes God chooses to give me the wisdom that I need through my sweet wife. And I wonder at times as I look at these questions, are there times when God gives me the wisdom that I had prayed for through the mouthpiece of my wife and I shut her out because I don't want to hear it from my wife? Are there times when my wife feels like she has a word from the Lord for me for that moment, but she is hesitant to share the word of God with me in that moment because she's walking on eggshells not knowing if I'm not going to handle it and receive it very well? And all God's people say, ouch. I have to ask myself these questions. Does God deliver me wisdom at times? And I don't even listen to it. Because I expected him to give me that wisdom through a completely different mouthpiece than he chose to use. And so this is so important. I hope you never forget this wonderful verse. And when you're going through a time of trial or temptation, I especially hope you never forget this verse. Because when you're going through trials and temptations, we need to listen. Because God may give you that wisdom from the least likely source. It may be that stranger you meet at Walmart. And the last thing you want to do that day is to talk to a stranger at Walmart. All you want is to buy that cold medicine and get out of that crummy store and go home and put on your favorite blanket and sit in your favorite recliner and shut out the world because your life stinks right now. That's an interesting time to clap, but uh, anyway... And God may say, this is the moment for you to hear wisdom from that person that's in line in front of you. Ever had God speak word of wisdom to you from a perfect stranger? God's amazing that way, isn't he? Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 3 says it so well. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so speech, the speech of a fool when there are many words. So I encourage you, every time you attend a church service or attend a Bible study or listen to a sermon or uh, uh, listen to a message online or you're receiving the counsel of another Christian, even if you don't like that Christian very much, open your ears, listen to it. I've had a lot of times where someone who was a perfect stranger came up to me and said, Dane, I have a word from the Lord for you. Whenever someone says, someone says that to me, part of my brain responds with red flag, red flag, red flag. There's a lot of false prophets out there that say they have a word for the Lord and it's not from the Lord, it's from themselves. But regardless of whether or not I'm skeptical of what that person's about to tell me, I always try to listen in case that is from God. It's important to listen when we are going through a trial and praying for wisdom. You want to know something pretty incredible? Oftentimes we as Christians are going through trials or struggling to resist temptation and we say we don't have the answers. But so often when we pray for wisdom, the answer, the wisdom that you need is already right here in your mind and right here in your heart. Most of you have been going to church for a while. Most of you have spent some amount of time reading this book. I would guess that the majority of this room, we would say, you know what, I don't read the Bible as much as I should. But most of us have read the Bible a lot. 
So it's so important when you're going through a trial or going through a temptation to do what Jesus did. Call Scripture to mind that you've already heard, that you'd already listened to, that you've already memorized. And so when you're going through a period of trial and temptation, allow God to give you the wisdom that you need that is already in your mind and heart. Allow yourself to call to mind Jeremiah 29:11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Allow Romans 8:28 to come to mind that God will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So many of you love that glorious verse in Philippians that say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Alan Schwartz's favorite verse in Joshua Be strong and courageous. Be of good courage because the Lord thy God will be with you. Call these scriptures to mind. Oftentimes, if you will allow yourself to simply think about, to meditate on the verses that you already know, the wisdom is already there. So we have to look. Go ahead. We have to look for that wisdom, that answer from God's word in a variety of different settings, and a variety of different mouthpieces and delivery systems. Now we can move on to verse 20. James must have known that some of his readers would ask the question, why isn't it okay when I'm going through a tough time just to blow my top a little bit, just to let off some steam? Why can't I just lash out in anger and just get it out of my system? Well, he says in verse 20, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And I fully understand the value of hitting a punching bag at times when you're uh, having an issue. Sometimes when I get frustrated because I'm the only male in my house, and sometimes it's not easy having five ladies in the house. And if if they happen to be all PMSing at this, excuse me, at the same time, you know what? Sometimes I love going out this time of year and just chopping wood. It's very therapeutic for me. So I, I get it. Sometimes you just need to let off a little steam by doing something productive. I get it. But you know what? James makes it clear. You know what? Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And so we don't just blow up all over somebody. There's no good that comes from that. The simple truth is you and I aren't much used to God when we lose our heads. If you and I are going to mature in our faith and bring glory to God through our trials, we have to keep our cool. Amen? Sometimes you just need to... Breathe a little bit. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Verse 21, James tells us to do some purging. When it comes to the moral filth that is in our lives and in our homes, James tells us to get rid of it. Friends, write this down too. This is good. Times of trial provide the perfect opportunity to clean house. Times of trial provide the perfect opportunity to clean house. I noticed there were no amens when I said that. Okay? Sometimes you'll have, I don't like cleaning the house. Well, sometimes for some of us, literally cleaning the house can be a good thing when we're going through a trial or temptation. But that's not the kind of cleaning house we're talking about here. Some of us, cleaning house means cleaning out some trashy music or trashy movies that need to go in the trash. Because we want to be focused on God during our trial and not having stuff of this world distract us. For some of us, that may mean we need to stop watching some trashy shows on TV or playing some trashy video games. For others of us, it may mean we need to stop drinking or we need to stop sitting on our butts all day and get up and do something productive. For some of us, it may mean we need to get rid of our bitterness, get rid of our resentment, get rid of our unforgiveness once and for all. 
When we're going through trials and temptations, it's a beautiful opportunity to clean house. And make sure that just as when our houses are cluttered physically and they need some decluttering and some cleaning, even more important when we're going through a spiritual trial to do some spiritual house cleaning and make sure that nothing is getting in the way of God giving us the wisdom and the resolution we need to our trial or temptation. Now with that, let's move on to the next part of this passage. Starting in verse 22, we read this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Let me start here in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Did I read verse 22 yet? Okay, everybody got it by now? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what? Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after seeing himself, after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Now, verse 22 is such an important verse in the book of James. It's part of the where we, we pull the whole theme of this book from. Do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. If you just merely listen to the word, you're deceiving yourself. I like how the New American Standard translates this verse. It says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So listening to God's word is important, right? It's very important. You've got to listen to God's word. We've talked about that over the last few minutes. So when you're here on a Sunday morning, I promise you that we'll give you some solid spiritual meat from God's word each and every time that you're here. You know, we don't just come up here and do a dog and pony show. We will give you some solid meat from God's word every single time you come. So by all means, listen to God's word when you come. When you go to one of your impact group Bible studies, by all means, listen to the word of God as it's being taught and as you're studying that with other believers. You and I need to listen to God's word. But if we're only listening to God's word, wouldn't you agree that if we're not obeying it, if we're not living it out, if we're not practicing it, That doesn't do us or anyone else a bit of good, does it? You know, it just fills our head, but it's absolutely useless. God's word is meant to be obeyed. It's meant to be obeyed. Please say that with me. God's word is meant to be obeyed. Together, God's word is meant to be obeyed. God's word's meant to be followed. It's meant to be heeded. It's meant to be obeyed. This one little verse reveals one of James' greatest concerns about his Christian readers. They knew the word... But to a large extent, they weren't following the word. They listened to solid teaching, but they weren't living out solid teaching. They had enough head knowledge to make them mature Christians, but they weren't mature Christians because they weren't living it out. Amen? So, if you're a regular attender here at Impact on Sunday mornings, that's great. But I think it's my responsibility to ask you a few tough questions. You're attending and you're listening politely. That's a wonderful thing. But are you just listening to God's word when you come? Are you a doer of the word or are you just a listener? If you're just a listener, you've got to ask yourself, am I honestly a follower of Christ? Because being a follower of Christ has never been about simply politely listening. Being a follower of Christ has always been about doing what our Lord says. 
A lot of people listen to the words, Jesus is Lord. It's quite another thing to obey Him as Lord. To follow Him as Lord. To do what He says because He is truly your Lord. In verses 23 and 24, James tells us that a man who only listens to God's Word is like a man who looks in a mirror and once he turns away, immediately forgets what he looks like. I I put a, a picture on the screen here of my twin brother shaving. Let's put that up here if you would, please. Looks just like me, right? Very handsome fellow. And so imagine I'm shaving one morning and I put on all the shaving cream and it's on both cheeks, above my lip, below my lip, underneath my chin. And I'm shaving away looking in the mirror and then I glance away from the mirror for a moment and I've only shaved one side of my face. I immediately forget what I saw in the mirror. I immediately forget my reflection. Hey, I'm all set for the day. And I head out my door and I head off to the office and I'm going to do my shopping at Costco or or Target or... Once in a while, Walmart, you know, I'm doing my thing. And my entire day, people are looking at me like this. And I have no clue what's going on. I'm walking around with shaving cream on my face all day long. That'd be kind of foolish, wouldn't it? How much more foolish is it to look into the mirror of God's Word, listen to what it says, and not live it out? You see, the Word of God is a mirror. I look into the Word of God and it reflects my true image that sometimes even my wife isn't bold enough to tell me. Now, we all hopefully have family members that will look at us and say, there's a big piece of cilantro stuck in your front tooth. You know, big big green cilantro on your front, that, that's not a good thing to go through the day. Hopefully we all have family members that point out stuff that's blatantly obvious and won't hurt our feelings too badly. But only God's Word can perfectly reflect what you look like outside and inside. God's Word is a mirror. It will show you what is in you that is good. It will show you what is in you that is bad. And it will show you what's in you that's ugly. Won't it? It gives you a reflection. And so James picks up on this idea of the Word of God being a mirror, perfectly reflecting what you look like to God. And so we have to constantly be in this Word. We have to once again be listening to it. And say, okay, God, speak to me through this sermon today. You may find yourself someday going to a church where the pastor is rather boring. Okay, We can all handle a boring sermon once in a while. When it's a boring, long sermon, that's pretty hard to deal with. I heard a wise pastor say one time, we as Christians can all deal with long sermons once in a while. We can all deal with boring sermons once in a while, but when the two meet, you know, that's not a pleasant thing to sit through. But even a long and boring sermon, we can learn something from it, can't we? As long as someone is teaching God's Word, open your ears and try to take it in. Sometimes it's just harder than other times. So take it in, listen to God's Word, and by all means, when God's Word reveals something that needs to change in you, allow God to change it. Do what needs to be done to change what's in your life that is not perfectly in line with God's Word. Now, one other wonderful thing about God's Word. It's a mirror that shows you what you look like, right? But it's also a mirror that shows you what Jesus Christ looks like. So the Word of God really gives us two reflections. So follow me on this. It gives you a reflection of what you truly look like to God. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It gives you a perfect reflection of what Jesus Christ looks like in the real world. And so you will, as you look at God's Word, see these two images. What you look like and the, oops, I need to fix those areas. And it will show you what Jesus looks like. 
And so what happens when we carry out those first few verses of James chapter 1? He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind, because the developing of your faith, the testing of your faith, develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work, so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What is James saying? He's saying, as you read and study God's Word and apply it to your life, you become more and more and more mature, and over time your image will conform more and more to the image of Christ, so that finally, when God is done with you, there will be no difference between your character and the character of Jesus Christ. So we see this closening of the two images over the course of our Christian lives. Your image is far short of Jesus' image, but he is working in you through your trials and tribulations, through your temptations even, to make you more and more the image of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful thing God does? We serve an awesome God. I love how Warren Wiersbe says that he says, When the child of God looks into the word of God, he sees the son of God and he is transformed by the spirit of God to share the glory of God. That's well said, isn't it? That's what God does. We see the image of God and he transforms us into the image of God by the spirit of God for the glory of God. Now let's finish the chapter, verses 26 and 27. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. As James finishes chapter 1, he touches on a subject that many Christians like to ignore, the subject of religion. Have you ever heard someone say Christianity is not a religion, it is a relationship. Ever heard someone say that? Uh, James would disagree. It is true that Christianity is not about temples and rituals and uh, mindless ceremony. It's true that it's not about those things. But Christianity is a life-changing relationship that inspires a life-changing religion. This word religion that James uses here in James chapter 1 refers to an outward expression of an inward reality. The word religion can include ceremony or tradition, but more importantly, as James points out, religion, the the purest form of religion, includes the things that all true Christians naturally do as they're practicing what is preached, as they're living out God's Word, as they're doers of the Word. In these two verses, James mentions two don'ts and one do that are a part of this pure and undefiled religion. And so let's quickly look at these. There's, let's start with those two don'ts. Those, those two don'ts that we need to, to live out if we're going to have pure religion in our lives following Christ. Number one, don't let your tongue off the leash. Don't let your tongue off the leash. Say that with me. Don't let your tongue off the leash. I so much wish that someone would pass this on to our political leaders. I was just at a, a brother in Christ stop by the office a couple days ago on Friday. He doesn't attend the church here, but he's a Christian friend of mine that I've known for many years. And he came into my office unexpectedly, and for like an, a half hour he was bending my ear, and he just really needed to vent a little bit because he was very upset with President Trump. This brother in Christ, he knows full well that President Trump has done some marvelous things that line up with God's Word. For instance... Standing for life. 
being the first president in history to speak at the March for Life last month. No other president was bold enough to do that. I'm so thankful that he did. Standing for Israel, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, that was huge. The last five presidents or so have talked about it. Trump's the only one that did it. Restoring the First Amendment and not having the IRS weaponized to go against the church and go against Christian nonprofits, but actually allowing and promoting the free expression of Christianity, in particular in America. That's a wonderful thing. But at the same time, my Christian friend was lamenting because he hates the stuff that comes out of Trump's mouth. So often, the petty insults, the personal insults. I sometimes chuckle, too, when I hear him talk about Elizabeth Warren as Pocahontas. Okay, I get it. That's a little bit funny because she claimed to be Native American and isn't. But at the same time, he has this penchant for having this sewage come out of his mouth. And so Christians in America are divided. And some of you are even wondering, Dane, where are you going with what you're saying here? We don't talk about this in church. Well, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We have to talk about uncomfortable things. And it is very true that our president is doing some wonderful things to stand on the word of God and to promote policies that are more pro-Christianity than many Christians that preceded, than many presidents that preceded him. But at the same time, if you are a supporter of the policies, you cannot ignore the speech that is clearly against God's word. And so we have to stand on the truth of God's word. We have to listen to God's word. We have to speak God's word. And we have to be very careful because our religion, we will have a tendency to flush it down the toilet and discredit our religion if what comes out of our mouth is contrary to what we do. And so it's so important, Christians, in this day of political divisiveness where Nancy Pelosi will claim to be a Christian and say one thing and President Trump will claim to be a Christian and say another and the two go at each other like this. We have to be very, very careful that we do not follow suit. God has called us to do what is right. I praise God for the many policies of our president that are in line with his word. But we cannot excuse. We cannot ignore. We cannot pretend that it's okay what comes out of our leader's mouth when it is clearly not in line with God's word. And so come November, I hope there is a change in our political climate. I hope that there is a change, and if there is any way that I could get this message to our leaders on both sides of the aisle, I would love to say it. You know what? One of the reasons my friend was lamenting, because he was wondering about the long-term damage that may be done to the Christian church by this political and, and vitriol that goes on with individuals that claim to follow Christ, and yet what comes out of their mouth isn't in keeping with what Christ would say. I hope this is making sense. And then that was a little bit more of a tangent than I planned on going on. But suffice it to say, our tongues have to be kept on a leash. Our tongues have to be kept on a leash. James is telling us, if you are doing the right thing, but hear, people hear you saying the wrong thing, it will oftentimes discredit the good that you are doing. Because your, your tongue will sabotage the good that you're doing. I realize many times I've done the right thing. And I've opened my mouth in the matter of 10 seconds. I've sabotaged what may have taken me a week to do that was good. In 10 seconds, I can sabotage the good that I've been doing. We have to be so careful. Keep your tongue on a, on a tight leash. Number two, don't allow yourself to be polluted by the world. There are any number of ways that we are tainted by the world around us. To us, James says, don't allow it. Instead, be set apart 
pure and holy to the Lord. We talked about that a little bit ago. Some of us need to do some house cleaning. We need to do some spiritual house cleaning. Don't be polluted by the world. And James says, number one, this is your number one do. We talked about the two don'ts. Don't let your tongue off the leash. Don't let yourself be polluted by the world. The one do, he says, there in that final verse, do look after orphans and widows in their distress. In James' day, orphans and widows were some of the most helpful, excuse me, helpless groups in society. They couldn't earn a living. They couldn't support themselves. And so today, uh, we could draw an equivalent with those that are homeless, maybe. Uh, those that have disabilities and can't hold a job. Uh, those that are the outcasts of society. And so James is telling us, if there are poor and helpless people around us and we're doing nothing to help them, then our Christianity doesn't mean much. Being doers of the word demands that we extend compassion and love and help to those who can't help themselves. Amen? Even if we're in the middle of the worst trial of our lives, there is no excuse for being heartless. There is no excuse for denying compassion to those who are hurting around us. The world may ignore pre-born babies, but the church of Jesus Christ can't. The world may ignore drug addicts and homeless men, but the church of Jesus Christ cannot. The world may ignore people with disabilities and mental illnesses, but Christ's followers never can ignore them. Christ's church never can ignore them. The helpless, those that cannot help themselves, the church must be there to love and support and encourage and care for them as best we can. As we like to say a lot around this church, you were created for greater impact. Maybe no one else in Victorville wants to clean the desert around this school, but I do. Maybe no one else wants to help make this the most beautiful stretch of desert in the entire Victor Valley, but I hope that we do, because we are the church of Jesus Christ. And as we're out there, by the way, when you come out next Saturday, wear those Impact T-shirts. And so as we get out there, okay, as we get out there and we're cleaning up the neighborhood, we want to send a very clear message. We care about this area physically, and we care even more about this city and community spiritually. God has called us to be compassionate warriors for Him. We were created for greater impact. And when it comes to down to God's Word, we have to listen to it, we have to accept it, and we have to live it out. So, let's quickly at the end of this message do this. Let me summarize this entire chapter that we've been studying over the last three Sundays. Here it is. You can jot down some uh, blanks that need to be filled in in your handout. Here's the whole chapter 1 of James in a nutshell. When times of trial and temptation come, look up and ask God for wisdom. Look ahead at the prize that awaits you if you persevere. And look around to see the goodness of God and get to work. Stop talking. Start listening. And live out God's Word better than ever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I do mean what I prayed earlier. I hope that my words didn't get in the way of your words. Father, I pray that we would pray. I ask that we would pray for our political leaders. Lord, remind me to pray for our president every day. He has so much potential. And he's doing, Lord, so much that causes me to stand up and cheer But at the same time, Lord, he is a flawed man. And he needs our prayers. Lord, what an amazing thing. What an amazing work you could do through him. If you would line up godly actions 
with godly speech. Lord, would you do a work in him? And Lord, it's easy to point fingers at him and forget the image in the mirror that I see of myself where I fall short of the reflection of Christ. Help me to look at the man in the mirror when I look in my mirror each morning, O God. And when I look at your word each morning and study your word, show me that reflection. Show me what I look like to you. And I pray, O God, for wisdom to see that image changed into the image of Christ. Lord, help us to pray for each other, to pray for our leaders, and to pray for ourselves. God, that you would transform us into the image of Christ. This world needs to see Jesus in the year 2020. What Jesus looks like with flesh on. What Jesus looks like in Victorville or Atalanto or Apple Valley or Hesperia or Oak Hills. God, the world needs to see Jesus through us. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are going through trials and times of temptations. Oh Lord, I especially pray that you would help us to ask for wisdom. And that we would open our ears wide to receive it from the most unlikely sources. Lord, speak to us your word. And I pray that we be listening even if the delivery system for your word is not what we expect. Lord, be with those dealing with health issues. Be with those dealing uh, with issues of finances. Be with those, Lord, who are wrestling with their faith. Be with those dealing with depression or anxiety. Be Be with those dealing with broken relationships. Be with those, Lord, who are dealing with unforgiveness or bitterness towards someone else. They want to forgive, but they can't bring themselves to do it. Be with those, Lord, who have talked about making a decision for Christ but are dragging their feet. I pray that they would make that decision even today and that they would enter the waters of baptism next Sunday when we have that baptistry set up here. Lord, some of us know we should be inviting family and friends to church, but we don't have that boldness. God, would you make us more like Christ in his boldness? May we boldly invite people to church, Lord, when we've been bashful in the past. Whatever is in us that you see that needs changing, the bad and the ugly, Lord, would you address it today and conform us to the image of Christ. And I do pray that over time, when we look at your word, we would see ourselves becoming more and more like our greatest hero, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in me. Thank you for what you're doing in us. And all God's people said, Amen. We hope you'll be blessed by this sermon from Impact Christian Church. Please visit our website at greaterimpact.cc. God bless.